Imagine with me for a second, something crazy. I got something crazy for you. Imagine what your life would be if you had never made any big mistakes. Of course, some little ones, but I'm talking about no life-changing setbacks had happened to you. You know, you'd never married the wrong person and had a bitter divorce or dated the wrong person and ended up giving them the best years of your life to end up with nothing or maybe started a business that ended up in disaster and bankruptcy or trusted a friend or a business partner that ended up betraying you. How much better would your life be if you didn't have those huge mistakes in your life? And what if I told you, I'm going to explain right now, how you can basically eliminate all future big mistakes. Because make no mistake, there's a myth in the world right now that you only learn through mistakes. Well, like Warren Buffett says, it's true you only learn through mistakes, but you see, that's only the half truth. He says, it's much better to learn through the mistakes of others. And Charlie Munger, his business partner, the self-made billionaire said, I've made some mistakes, just a hell of a lot less than everybody else. See, Benjamin Graham, the mentor of Warren Buffett, the greatest, one of the great investors of all time, taught Warren Buffett that what you got to do is focus on not having any huge setbacks, any huge mistakes, and make no mistake about it. One day, when you and I are old, we will look back on our life and we will either have a life full of fulfillment, look back on a life full of fulfillment, happiness, uh, at, at the things that we did right, or we'll be like most humans, a life full of regret, fear, and anxiety, and know that we didn't even get close to what we could have done. It's kind of like my favorite poem by Chief Tecumseh where he says, uh, so live your life that the fear of death never enters into your heart. And he ends by saying, when it comes to your time to die, be not like those whose hearts are filled with the fear of death, so that when their time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. You see, there is none of that. And I remember back when I was 18 years old, and I was on this farm. I went right out of high school and went to Joel Salatin's farm. He's, he's now pretty famous for you know being one of the pioneers of organic food and sustainable agriculture and grass-fed and all that. And I showed up on his farm. I remember it was in Stanton, Virginia. Uh, and I'm there, and Joel says to me, one of the first days I'm there, I'm in his base. He had a house built in the 1760s before America was even a country. He lived in this old log house. I'm down in the basement where his kitchen was. And he says, you know, Ty, I've got only one rule for you here on my farm. You're not allowed to make any mistakes. And I remember thinking, is this guy crazy? What do you mean you're not allowed to make mistakes? You see, I thought that it was human and normal to make a ton of mistakes. But he was saying, it's the first time I'd ever heard that. No mistakes allowed. And I remember being resistant. Unfortunately, I hadn't learned the life lesson that when people smarter than you say something that sounds counterintuitive, they're probably right and you're probably wrong. But I was still, you know, like, oh, this guy must be crazy. Over time, I realized he was serious. He was saying, Ty, when I tell you, okay, you know, bring three buckets of chicken feed to the far back field and feed each chicken uh, one scoop or one, each chicken pen one scoop, he didn't want me to feed two chicken scoops because the lives of those animals, and we had thousands and thousands of animals, depended on me not making mistakes. He was just saying, man, people's lives depend on it. Animals' lives, our lives, our customers' lives are depending on you not making mistakes. So I went, I remember I got in my little Pontiac Grand Am, a blue, like, junky car that I had gotten when I was a teenager, and I drove it into town. Stanton, Virginia, this little teeny town, and I went to the first store I could find, and I bought these little notepads, just like you see like a news reporter have, like, you know, you put them in your pocket, and whenever Joel would talk, I'd pull out this little notepad and write out, because I realized this was a guy teaching me something. He was saying, Ty, if you can get rid of the mistakes, the big ones at least, you will live a life. 1% of people at best ever live. And you, everyone listening, I, you know that I'm interested in the good life. The good life. Health, wealth, love, happiness. Everything that everybody's ever wanted. Back to when Aristotle and Socrates were talking about eudaimonia, you know, and the good life to every religion. It's all saying the same thing. We want something better for ourselves than 
And the simplest way to get it is through a few steps I'm going to show you right now as we go through this. But I first wanted you to understand that it's important. First of all, never believe the myth that this this girl the other day was over. Uh, there's a couple of people over at my house and she was an actress and I was talking to them. And I said to her, I said, you know, why do you think you deserve it here in Hollywood? And uh, not the other million people, literally million people trying out for movie roles and TV shows. She said, well, I just have known since I was young that, I, you know, this is my destiny and I deserve it. And I remember thinking, you know, I have rich friends and I have poor friends. And I have successful friends and I have unsuccessful friends. And you're talking like my poor friends. See, most of us are so egocentric that we honestly think the world revolves around us. In physics, this is called the anthropic uh, principle, which is... A little complicated. I'm not going to get it. If you want to read Stephen Hawking talks a lot about this, but we don't understand that one day we won't be here. And sometimes it comes faster than you think and that we really deserve nothing and that the nature of the world is very competitive. Now, uh, most people, especially people uh, who listen to a lot of self-help stuff now have bought into this whole secret mentality and this whole power of positive thinking. And for the most part, it's a bunch of lies. Is there some truth to it? Yes, but the devil's in the details. And the most dangerous thing in the world is one that's 90% true and 10% lies because you won't know what's true and what's a lie. And positive thinking will not eliminate the mistakes in your life. We must start there. There is something else I'm about to show you that can pretty much do the job for you every time. But I want you to know there's a fine line between optimism. Now, optimism, I'm all for. You can be optimistic. In one of the great books I've read recently uh, by uh, Con about Conrad Hilton, it's called The Hiltons, The True Story of an American Dynasty by Randy Terraborelli. By the way, all of these will be on my website, uh, tylopez.com, the notes for all these books as you're listening to this if you want to uh, be getting, uh, you know, following along and getting these books. But Conrad Hilton you know, was the great-grandfather of Paris Hilton. He became a billionaire. And he says, when I was 15, I stumbled upon a book called Op uh, The Autobiography of Helen Keller, who was born deaf and blind, called Optimism. And Helen Keller had written, and he grabbed on these words. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope. Optimism is the harmony between man's spirit and the spirit of God pronouncing his works good. You see, optimism in the long term is good. But notice... That the word there, works, are good. You have to work for it. And the second you think you're entitled to it, and the second you think you won't make many mistakes, that's the day you begin to make mistakes. So kill that thought in your mind. My rich friends have a little more fear. They have optimism in the end game, but fear on a day-to-day -day that they will miss out on the right path. What is it you can do? I'm going to share right now. There's an ancient saying, a proverb, that's, I don't know, 5,000 years old. It says, make war with a multitude of counselors. And this holds the key to the, the biggest change you can ever make in your life. Because once you start eliminating mistakes, everything opens up to you. Every opportunity is yours for health, wealth, love, happiness. It becomes yours. You must begin to imagine at every big decision that you're surrounded, you're in a room with 10 of the wisest people, the smartest people, the richest people, whatever it is you're pursuing around you, and you're listening for their answer. You see, the answer is not within. The answer is without. Of course, you must go within to process the information, but the clues will come to you from other people. Make war with the multitude of counselors. The president of the United States, who is an intelligent, highly intelligent and successful person, does not trust his own gut to make the right decision. He has a cabinet. That cabinet is composed of a secretary of defense, a secretary of transportation, a secretary of the environment, a secretary of, you know, each and every main, uh, facet, important facet of American politics. And before he makes a decision, he asks that counsel, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Looking for clues, 
My question to you is, who is your counsel? For most of us, we're relying on our gut feelings and our instinct. Here's the problem. Some of you have read my article or heard my other show called Avoiding the Mismatch. The problem is, yes, we were born with instinct. I call this the voices of 10,000 generations in our ear. Your father, mother, great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. All of these people have contributed to your genetics, to that natural-born instinct that you have. The problem is we live in a world that that instinct is not helpful in. You see, if you're walking across the street and you're about to be hit by a car and you hear a screeching noise, the instinct from 10,000 generations is when you hear a loud noise, your ancestors are whispering into your ear through instinct, jump back, and you do. That's your instinctual response. And you don't get hit by a car, so you survive. You don't make the mistake of staying out in the street and getting hit. The problem is... What if you want to open a restaurant? Maybe if you're an entrepreneur listening to this and your goal is to open a sushi restaurant. Well, do you think the voices in your head from your past genetics are going to help you make that decision? No. Probably you don't have anybody in your lineage, your grandfather, great-great-grandmother that had opened a restaurant. You and I didn't evolve from people who had the massively complicated decisions you and I have to make. Your great-great-grandmother and grandfather lived in a small village most likely, and they had to choose between three people to marry that they've known their whole life. You see, you and I are presented in a world where if you're single, you could be surrounded, if you're on Match.com or a dating site, you could have 10,000 options. How do you deal with that many options when the voices of instinct inside of your head that generally could give you good decisions, uh, good advice, isn't able to? You see, it can't help you. So what I'm suggesting and the main thing we're going to be talking about is you must assemble a council mentally of the wisest people. You know, in this book, I talk about this uh, uh, in this book I reviewed, uh, which you can see on my site, tylopez.com, Why Beautiful People Have More Daughters by Alan Miller and Satoshi Kanazawa. Uh, in the introduction, they say something very profound. They say, this book is about human nature, right? They say, first, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are produced not only by our own individual experiences and environment in our lifetime, but also by what happened to our ancestors. Our human nature is the cumulative product of the experiences of our ancestors in the past and affects how we think, feel, and behave today. But as I said, let's say you want to open a sushi restaurant, or let's say you want to meet somebody on a dating site that you never grew up around. You don't have the natural uh, uh, instincts to cope with that. So what's the solution? It's the solution and the main point of this talk. You must assemble a multitude of wise counselors. Remember, it can't just be your friend and your buddies, which is what most people do. No, go to the wisest people in history and who are alive today. You know, every you probably know a lot of you are on my book of the day email. If you're not, it's on tylopez.com, my site. You can join for free. I think now it's the largest, you know, book club in the world. It reaches about 1.4 million people in 40 countries. And I didn't expect when I started it, it would grow so fast. But it's growing because people realize, man, Ty, if I'm not careful, my life's going to be one mistake after another. I mean, just recently... In my life, I had two people close to me betray me, and that very rare. Most of my friends I've had from childhood, you know, but I did business with one guy, and there's one girl I was dating, and just absolute crazy betrayal in, in my mind. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? Well, I didn't do what I'm about to show you to do. Every time you have a major decision, go into a room. I'm reading the Dalai Lama has a book called Beyond Religion and he talks about focused thinking and some exercises you can do on focus and meditation and being in the moment. Sit in a chair. I do this every morning or try to. And imagine, okay, I've got this big decision. What would the 10 smartest people ever to live in history, alive or dead, what would they say I should do? What would they say? That's all the question you ever have to ask yourself. Before you date somebody, be like, what would the 10 smartest people I know? I'm not, not sorry, not that I know, to ever have lived. Do not use 
10 smartest people I know because you might not know that many smart people. So you're limiting the quality of the advice. Go straight to the top. So if it comes to dating, imagine what Dr. Helen Fisher would say or Dr. David Buss or people who have devoted their lives to understanding human relationships. What would the guy uh, who wrote Matthew uh, Lieberman, who wrote the book Social, the Harvard professor about social life, what would he say about this person you're about to get married to or date? What would some wise person, what would Gandhi say? What would Mother Teresa say? Imagine you have a council of the smartest people. And you know, I told you I recently just felt totally betrayed by two people I'd invested a lot of time in. But you know, as I look back, I didn't do what I'm telling you to do. I didn't sit down in a room and go, hey, are there some warning signs here with these people that I'm seeing? And if I presented these to the wisest people in the world, would they tell me, oh yeah, go into business with this person. Oh yeah, date this person. No, I went against the better judgment of the 10 smartest people I know. Now remember, this all presupposes that you're reading a lot. Why am I so big? You know, people say, oh, why do you read a book a day? It's not to show off, right? I've been reading a book a day long before I even started this whole thing. So it's not like I did this for credit, you know, to get people going, ooh, how do you do that? That's irrelevant for me. I do it because in order to not make mistakes, I need to be able to imagine what the smartest people would say. And many of these people are no longer alive. I can't take them out to dinner, all of them. You know, I want to know what Sam Walton would say before I make a business decision. Would he agree? And I have to read his books. You have to fill up your mind. And you can do it through books. You can do it through audio. You can do it through meeting people in person. But you got to go straight to the top. Because the quality of the advice from those 10 people depends on the 10 people in the room. Imagine for a second, like I said at the beginning, imagine some big decision. Maybe you start a business or you haven't started a business and you're not making much money and you hate it. You're not financially independent at all. Or maybe you are, but you're not making much progress forward into the next category, prosperity or wealth. Imagine some decision you made a year ago, two years ago, what career you picked in college, something, some decision you made. What if you could have had the 10 wisest people pop into that room through from history, right? Boom, 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 boom. You're surrounded by uh, Rockefeller, Dale Carnegie. You're surrounded by, I don't know, some Einstein is there. Stephen Hawking is there. Maybe some people have Steve Jobs is there. And you, before you launch out on this business venture of yours, you go, hey, will you guys help me make a plan? Here's the plan I'm wanting to do. Can you guys help me adjust my plan and make my plan better? Imagine how different your life would be if only we all had a time machine. Greatest tool we could ever have. My biggest fantasy is a time machine. But like I said, I just finished Stephen Hawking's book, The Theory of Everything. And he says, I made a mistake. I thought at the end of the universe, you know, a couple hundred million years from now, when the universe starts contracting instead of expanding like it is. He said, you know, I thought time would reverse and it'd be like Benjamin Button. And he said, but I was wrong. You know, he said, there's three forms of time, thermodynamic time, uh, uh, psychological time and cosmological. And he says, I think they all move in one direction. So it's like what the former first lady says, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, life is like a parachute jump. You have to get it right the first time. You have to get it right the first time or else you will grow old. And the only way you'll be able to cope with the regret and the sorrow and sadness of a life that you missed out on is through delusion. And you become, you know, I see it here in Hollywood sometimes, these, these old people that are just like crazy, literally, they're wearing like, you know, they're like 90 years old and you just talk to them and they're just, they're literally insane. And I know why. They have the dream of being a movie star and it never worked out for them. And instead of coping with it and facing their fear and saying, well, maybe I made some mistakes. They just go crazy. You don't ever want to be that person. You don't ever want to be that person. You want to be somebody who said, yeah, I made some mistakes and I'll tell you the kind of mistakes you want to make. You see, because people get confused about this. There's two kinds of mistakes. There's the kind of mistakes that I call small ones. I call them experimental mistakes. You must make a lot of those. Tesla, Edison, when they were inventing electricity, 
you know, I think Edison is the one who said, or Thomas, I can't remember who it was, Benjamin Franklin or Edison, one of those said, you know, I made a thousand mistakes and that, but that brought me to the one great thing that I did, right? I needed the thousand mistakes. But here's the difference. When you're a mad scientist and sitting in your laboratory and you, you do some experiment and it doesn't work, you read the signs and you move on. You don't get attached to it. Because if you do and you stay in something too long, it goes from an experiment to a mistake. I want your life full of little experiments where you learn the lessons quickly and then move on. But you and I can both think of things where we stayed in it too long. The writing was on the wall and we're like, no, 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 I'm going to just be, I'm just power positive thinking. It's all going to work out. This person I'm dating, sure, they make me feel uncomfortable. They make me feel jealous. They don't seem very loyal, but I'm just going to stick with it because maybe it'll get better. No, 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 no. You're going from an experiment to a mistake and the better you are at making experiments and moving on, the less big mistakes you want. Like I said, experiment away. But when it comes time to make that real decision where you go, you know what? I'm going to invest in this business. I'm going to invest in this person. Then you better make war with a multitude of counselors. You better imagine, you better go in your room and meditate. And I don't mean some spiritual meditation. I mean think deeply and go, what would... uh Bill Gates do in this business situation? What would Warren Buffett do in this situation? What would Benjamin Graham do? Now, I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to do this if you're reading one book a year. You're going to have no material. You're going to have nothing to go. You're going to be just imagining. I don't want you going into a room imagining. I want you regurgitating the wisest things. You should be memorizing things. I'm looking here at this box of quotes that I started when I was 16 years old, and I wrote them down. It's funny. You know, these are from a long time ago. And they're just quote after quote that I wrote down. You need to start memorizing tons of quotes. Quotes will help you in the pressure of the moment to be able to think things through. You must be able to think things through and it will only come through the raw materials which come to you through external knowledge. You know, those of you, I don't know, if, uh, you may or may not be on my Instagram. I recommend you do that. It's, in, it's uh, Ty Lopez and the number one. I think is my Instagram, or maybe it's Ty Lopez official, one of those. But if you go there, you'll see my library. I've got, I don't know, I own thousands of books, three, four, five thousand books. But on my floor here, I've got a hundred, literally a hundred books. I've got a picture there of my messy, people like to see my messy floor. But you know why? Each of these are wise counselors. And if I'm patient, and if I read, and if I absorb every time I have a major life decision, I just refer back to the wise people in my brain and go, okay, okay, I need to decide how to exercise. I want to get lean. I want to get cut. I want to get to 12% body fat. I'm like, okay, well, what Arnold Schwarzenegger say? I'm looking at his book right here. It's called, uh, uh, what is it called? Here? Total Recall, My Unbelievably True Life Story by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can refer back to that or I've got Michael Moss the Pulitzer Prize winning author who wrote the book Salt, Sugar, Fat. Or I have uh, the book the, Ev the Story of Human Evolution by Daniel Lieberman, the great Harvard professor. I've got Jack LaLanne. I've got Paul Braggs. You see, when it comes to me designing my diet and my exercise program, I don't have to do it off my gut because we live in a world that my gut is not acclimated to. My ancestors and your ancestors primarily ate completely unprocessed food. They ate like fruit that was not like the fruit we ate now. It was not high in sugar content. It was unprocessed like figs that took you three hours to chew through the exterior, right? Now, we can try to go back to that, and there's a lot of people doing that in the primal and paleo diet, but you're never going to go completely back to it, not very easily. The types of food that they were uh, eating are extinct. We eat agriculturally. Uh, uh, the food that we eat comes from species of plants that have been bred in a laboratory, almost all of them, right? The domesticated. So you're never going to completely be able to go back. But we can learn from the experiments of other people, like Buffett said. We only learn from mistakes, but it's a heck of a lot easier to learn through other people's mistakes. When it comes to love and romance, 
you can go out there and you can date a lot and you can have a lot of nightmares, some wins, a lot of losses. You can go through divorces or you can pick up a book like I'm looking at right now. I was reading this morning uh, by Dr. Helen Fisher. It's somewhere here on my floor. I'll find it. And it's called, I think it's called Why We Love. Uh, oh, here it is. Sorry. <laughs> it is called Why Him, Why Her? How to Find and Keep Lasting Love. If you can put that voice in your head and make Dr. Helen Fisher one of those people who are your counselors. And when it comes time to date someone, you can go. Refer back, Ty. Refer back to that material. Do not make the mistake. Mistakes are painful, costly. And I'll tell you, there's a myth that you can never recover. Most people never recover from big mistakes. Very few people can. And the older you get, if you're listening to this and you're getting older, which is all of us, every day it gets physically and mentally harder to recover from mistakes. Remember when you were a little kid, you fall, you hit your head, you fall off the jungle gym, maybe you break your arm and your arm's like recovered in four weeks. Boy, you do that when you're 40, that arm isn't going to recover in four weeks. I don't care what you do. You do it at 70, you're you're probably never going to recover. You might die from it. My great grandfather died from a ingrown toenail, but he was like a hundred years old. The body has a harder time coping. It doesn't have the mechanisms to cope like it does when it's young. So these mistakes, if you choose not to do what I'm saying, you are taking life at such a huge risk that all I would say to you is you are going where angels fear to tread and never do that. So reading you cannot read one book a month and do what I'm saying. You probably can't even read one book a week. You need to get to one book a day. And I used to be more like, oh, I'm not going to push that on people. Well, I've got this inner circle, people that I'm uh, uh, taking in and kind of mentoring in this private program uh, that I've been doing. And the results are insanely amazing. I've never you know, seen the transformation like I've seen when I actually take these people into this inner circle and show them step by step. And I was talking to James. He's a guy that's in that inner circle of mine and uh, this kind of private program. And he's reading a book a day. And I said to him, how does it feel? And he's like, I'm an average guy. tired. You know, I, don't have, I didn't go to Harvard. I'm not some super IQ guy. I'm a, kind of an average guy. And I can't believe how easy it is. He's like, the only thing hard about it was trying it. And I don't know that he always reads every single page. I don't even recommend that. But literally every morning he just texts me, book that I read. So you might still say, Ty, it's impossible. I hate reading. And that's fine. Peter Drucker calls this disabling ignorance. It's not that hard to read a book a day. Now, if you can't, you should at least read a book every three days. You can do it on audio. You should be listening to YouTube like Warren Buffett teaches five-year-olds. The more you learn, the more you earn. It's so simple. People are like, hey, Ty, how do I get rich? How to become a millionaire? I'm like, well, why don't you not even listen to me? Listen to a guy who made infinitely more money than me. $40 billion, $40,000 million. Warren Buffett, he's just like, well, the more you learn, the more you earn. Yet everybody is looking for the shortcut. There is no shortcut. There is no shortcut. I was reading one of the great books of all time, The Lessons of History by Will Durant, the great historian. And he says, for, so the first biological lesson of history is the life of, is that life is competition. Competition is not only the life of trade, it is the trade of life. Peaceful when food abounds, violent when the mouth uns, mouths unrun, outrun the food. Animals eat one another without qualms. Civilized men consume one another by due process of law. Cooperation is real and increases with social development, but mostly because it is a tool and form of competition. We cooperate in our group, our family, community, club, church, party, race, or nation in order to strengthen our group in its competition with other groups. Competing groups have the qualities of competing individuals, equiv uh, uh, pugnacity, Partisanship, pride, our states being ourselves multiplied are what we are. They write our names bolder uh, and they do good and evil on an elephantine scale. Big words, he's saying. 
But what is he saying? In the struggle for existence, some individuals are better equipped than others to meet the tests of survival. Since nature has not read very carefully the American Declaration of Independence or the French Revolution, uh, Revolutionary Declaration of the Rights of Man, we're all born unfree and unequal. Nature loves indifferences as the necessary material of selection and evolution. Inequality is not only born and in, um, not only natural and inborn; it grows with the complexity of civilization. Hereditary inequalities breed social and artificial inequalities. Every invention or discovery is made or seized by the exceptional individual and makes the strong stronger, the weak relatively weaker than before. What do I mean by all this? Is this some elitist document? No, he's a historian saying. Nature is competitive. You must get out there and compete. The drive for you to read more, to learn more, to acquire more mentors in person and in writing is because if you don't, what does he say? The weak will get weaker. You will grow weak. Your life will grow weaker. Nature wants healthy competition. I'm not talking about you being cutthroat. I'm not condoning war. He was only speaking of past. I'm saying even in the world we live in, the rules of our DNA have not changed. You must compete for what you want. You see, I was talking about this actress, a girl who was saying, oh yeah, I'm just destined to be famous here. No, no, no. You are violating nature's laws. Nature says you must work. You must compete. You can do it in a fair way. You can do it in a nice way, but the competition must be there. You must go out not only and read, to get these voices in your head. Remember, you must fill in the voices. Your instinct that you were born with is not sufficient. You only were half equipped for this modern world that we live in, right? I'm looking out my window here in Hollywood Hills, 13 million people. I'm not equipped from my great-great-grandparents to, uh, to know how to deal with the world of 13 million. I'm equipped from, my, from them to live in a world of Dunbar's number, 150 people in my village. I'm not equipped to know how to deal with 1 million people in Los Angeles on match.com that I, that you could date. Uh, my brain doesn't know how to handle that. I'm going to have to acquire new knowledge from those people who are the greatest thinkers of our time. Go straight to the top. Now I mentioned books. Is that the only way to get it? No, you should be getting people in person. You should be friending and finding the wisest people. Maybe you have to fly to them. Maybe you have to take them out to dinner or the great uh, life coach Jim Rohn says, you know, poor people should take rich people out to dinner. And poor people always say, no, 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 the rich have all the money. They should be paying for dinner. And he said, that's never going to happen. I mean, think about it. There's never going to be a time where my Facebook e email is going to be like an email from Bill Gates. Hey, Ty, I was checking out your Facebook. You seem like an awesome guy. Can I fly down and uh, in my private jet and go out to dinner? I'll change my schedule to hang out with you. That's never going to happen. That would be going against what I just read from Will Durant. The strong are getting stronger. If you want to join the strong, you must come to them or go to them, right? At best, the only way a meal with Bill Gates is going to ever happen for me is for me to track him down and say, please, I'm doing this. Could I have one hour of your time? And maybe, 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 if I'm lucky, that would happen. You must pursue opportunities because... Just like the President of the United States surround himself with a council, a, a multitude of wise people to make sure he makes no big mistakes. You must do the same thing. And they can be books. They can be audio. But some of it should be in person. You should have what I call a board of advisors. You should have 10 people or a board of advisors. If they're in your specific industry, they can become what I call mentors. Board of advisors, the difference between mentors and board of advisors is mentors are usually or should be in your exact field. If you want to open a hotel, they should be in the hotel business. If you want to save the world uh, through a charity, you should have like somebody who's charitable minded. But your board of advisors can be a wide array of people who are not necessarily in your industry but are the best of the best. And you're going to have to work to get them. It's like the persistent widow. It's like the story I talked about in my TED Talk of a guy, a Richard, that I've learned so much from, one of the top real estate guys, one of the wealthiest men in the world. And the way he did it, he, when he was 18 or 19 years old, he was in uh, a little town and he found the number one real estate developer and he knocked on the door of their office and the secretary said, how can I help you? And he said, I'd like to learn from your boss, this top real estate developer. And she said, sorry, he's busy. 
And my friend Richard went back 17 times or so. And finally, she felt so bad. She said, hide behind this uh, plant. And when the developer comes out of his office, jump in the elevator with him, and you'll have three or four floors to convince him why he should help you as a teenager. Sure enough, my friend talked to him. And the guy, the developer said, show up in the airport in the morning. Six in the morning, we're going to fly down to Florida, look at some of my real estate and my private jet. And he did, and he learned. You see, he was filling up his brain with the counsel of wise people. You're never born with the knowledge of how to be a real estate developer, just like you're not born knowing how to speak English. The answers are not within. That's the myth that you must bust for your own life. And if you do, the reward is mistakes will be at a minimum. You might have experimental mistakes that happen for a day or a week, but you move on very fast. Even the Dalai Lama in Beyond Religion, when he talks about this meditation and thinking deeply, it's presupposing that you have something to think deeply on. If you've read a book today, that becomes the raw material. And when you go into meditation or when you go into a place of you know being quiet and just thinking deeply, you can process those thoughts. You have to cut the mistakes. Now, one other thing. So what, the first point, just to, to make very clear, I know because I talk all over the place sometimes, you might feel like, oh, okay, I don't know exactly the point. So the number one point is, number one, if you're writing this down, and I recommend you do, is that you can't have a lot of big mistakes in your life. You don't want a lot of big mistakes. So the, a resolve and resolution to cut major, long-lasting mistakes out of your life. So you don't marry the wrong person. So you don't jump into the wrong business. You might try to go on a date with somebody a few times, and waste a few hours of your life, or you might test a business, but you're not going to end up five, ten years into something stupid. You're not going to end up in a betrayal situation with a person. You're not going. You might try different diets. You might try being a fruitarian. You might try being a vegan. You might try being a paleo person. But then you're not going to make any big mistakes by sticking to something so long past the time that it's obvious that wise people would be like, ah, you're. You're probably not doing a very good job there. You probably look stupid. Most of us persist way too long. So the second thing is, instead of going inward and just trusting your gut, like so many people are lying to you about, that you should, oh, trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. Man, the world we live in is full of people trusting themselves and it's full of chaos. I want a world where people are going to the best. So I want you to begin to accumulate knowledge from the wisest people. And you make them your cabinet, your board of advisors. And every major life decision, you imagine by just sitting quietly, you imagine the advice they would give you. If their advice, if you can just picture, ah, oh man, you know, I can just see ten of the, ten, eight out of these ten people going, don't do it, don't do it. Then all you got to do is listen to that counsel. And you're going to save decades and millions of dollars in mistakes. You want to be rich? Don't make a lot of mistakes. It's really that simple. Everybody's looking for the billion-dollar idea. Oh, I got the next WhatsApp. I'm like, you know what? All you got to do is make $300,000 a year, which sounds hard for many people, but it's not that hard as an entrepreneur. Live relatively below your means. Save hundred grand a year. And in five or six years, if you're invested in the money with the time value of money, you're a millionaire. Five years from now. Six years from now. Who cares? If it takes one year or five, don't chase the mirage like most people are. Just don't make any big mistakes and get a lot of base hits. That's what that interview with Jay-Z and Steve Forbes and Warren Buffett. It's just like a lot of first, a lot of base hits in baseball and you'll score a lot of home runs. You don't need big hits because remember, big, big attempts often are the chance for big, big, big failures. There's a time to go big. And it's not as often as most people think. There is a time to swing for a home run. But for most people, it's a mistake. Get the voices in your head. For your body, what voices should you have in your head? Let me give some specific examples. I believe for your physical body, you could start by reading the book Salt, Sugar, and Fat by Michael Moss. Okay, You should write, start by reading The Story of the Human Body by Daniel Lieberman. Just start with those two voices in your head. Fill up your head for your physical health right there. 
okay? There's another book called, uh, what is it called, a 50, let me pull it up here. Uh, this is another one that you can go to. It's a, it's a simpler book. It's called A Short Guide to a Long Life by David Agus, A-G-U-S. So there's three books, okay? Now, watch some YouTube videos of the healthiest people in the world. Watch Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know he took some steroids. Who cares? He's one of the healthiest guys ever. The amount of health and, and, and care he put into his body is amazing. So if you're a guy, you can start there. You can start with some Olympic athletes. Uh, and again, avoid the temptation to look for perfect people because you're never going to find it. So if you go, well, I can't listen to Arnold because he took some steroids. You're never going to find anybody. Okay. <laughs> you can look to Lance Armstrong for advice on how to be healthy, even though he took some drug enhancements, you know, some performance enhancing drugs. It doesn't negate everything. Don't be one of those people that just throws the baby out with the bathwater. I did a talk on this called Casting the First Stone. If you haven't heard that, you may want to listen to that. Don't be someone who's like, well, I can't listen to that voice because they weren't perfect. Look, Ray A. Kroc, let's switch from, so that's your body. Let's switch to wealth. Ray A. Kroc is somebody, I don't necessarily really like McDonald's, what it stands for. But boy, I can learn tremendous from amounts of knowledge in business and fill up the cabinet and the advisors in my brain. Ray Kroc is definitely in there. He became the wealthiest man in America. He built maybe the most well-known business of all time, McDonald's, right? He started at 52. He has a great book, Grinding It Out. It costs you five bucks. Get that knowledge into your head. It's going to cut the mistake factor way down. It's going to save you decades and millions of dollars of mistakes. Learn from his scientific experiments on his own life. Remember, as a scientist, they learn from the past. Einstein learned from Newton, right? You can learn from the past experiments and mistakes of other people. So get grind. So when it comes to business, as you're creating income for yourself, even if you don't own your own business, make sure you read Sam Walton's book, Made in America. Walmart, the story, became the wealthiest man almost in history, right? Read uh, Conrad Hilton's book, just finished. And I have a lot of these. If you haven't been on my website and my book of the day, please join that, tylopez.com. There's a lot there for you. Uh, and it's it's free, right? Okay? So that's a book that you should definitely read. Uh, made in America. That's number two. Okay? Now, when it comes to business, I have literally 50 books, but I'm trying not to overwhelm you. I would say the other book to read that will be helpful for many people, it, and if you notice, I'm specifically read, uh, talking about biographies, okay? Because I like how-to books, but in terms of creating inspiration for today's talk, which is about how to get voices in your head of wise people, I want to look to biographies because then you can start to hear their voice in your head, Okay. So another uh, great book, business-wise, that I recommend that's a biography in addition to Grinding It Out, in addition uh, to Made in America by Sam Walton, read this uh, Conrad Hilton book, The Story of the Hiltons. That's a, that's a good one, okay? It's a little bit longer. Uh, Grinding It Out is a much shorter one. Uh, but you can also read, there is one other book that I will recommend. Uh, it's... Trying to remember it, which is the only <laughs> I'm back here in my office and I have my off my business books in another one. Uh I'll think of it in a second. It's a it's a book about Warren Buffett and it's about his investing strategies. Uh and I and it's full of quotes. So let me just leave it to you this way. Any book that has a lot of quotes by Warren Buffett would be amazing for you to know uh when it comes to business. So I think the book uh, it, it's by this guy, Peter something, and it's called A Few Lessons of Something. It's a little black book. If you look on my website, it's listed as one of the top books. So you can go to tylopez.com and find it uh, in my top, whatever, 50 most recommended books. It's like A Few Lessons on Investing or something. It's insanely short, but deep. So Sam Walton's Made in America, Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc, and that book on Warren Buffett, which eludes my brain right now, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Now, when it comes to dating and love and romance and friendships and social, I recommend this book, Social, by the Harvard professor uh, or the Harvard guy, Matthew Lieberman. 
Number two, I recommend you read David Buss's book. Now, if you're really tough, pick up his book, Evolutionary Psychology. It's a textbook. It's yellow with a lizard on it. It's listed as my number one most important book. I believe it's the number one most important book as a human right now that you can read. Just, you don't have to read it from cover to finish. Read it over the next six months, okay? And then uh, you could read this book by Helen Fisher, Why Him, Why Her? Or she has another book called Why We Love. So those three authors, Lieberman on social, how your brain is designed to be social, Why Him, Why Her by Helen Fisher, and Evolutionary Psychology by Dr. Dave Buss. This is going to help your social life. Now, when it comes to happiness, what book should you read? Well, number one, I recommend you read a book by the Dalai Lama. He has several of these books, okay? Several of them. I'm reading Beyond Religion, but he just pick one. And number two, I recommend you read a book about Mother Teresa. I'm not religious per se or Catholic, but I highly recommend that story. And she didn't write her own book. There's different biographies. Just pick one. Uh, get her voice in your head. She talks about what makes people happy. And then thirdly, I'm going to recommend this book uh, from, a, from a newfound friend of mine that I've been interviewing, Jonathan Haidt. He wrote a book called Happiness Hypothesis. It's an understanding from today's modern science all the way back to ancient thought on what makes people happy. So I just gave you basically 12 books, right? Three in each category. Three health books, three wealth books, three books about social life, and three books about happiness. That's 12 voices that you can now put into your head. And remember, it's not enough to just have the voices. You must take some time to let it sink in deeply, okay? And we talk about this in other talks. I'm not going to go totally into that today on how to do this meditation. And I don't mean meditation like people think of, you know, closing your eyes and holding out your fingers. I mean just thinking deeply and absorbing what you've learned. Now, one of the last things I want to talk about, we've talked about, you know, the importance of not making mistakes. We've talked about how you can build your own mental cabinet and how you can go out and get these people in person. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about how to, how to get in-person mentors because that's a, for a whole nother conversation. Just remember, you will have to go after them and you will have to be persistent. Uh, but the last thing and the most vital you understand to round everything we've talked about out is you've got to get away from black and white thinking. And I know this is going to seem like, what are you talking about, Ty? You just talked about mistakes. How can you say there's no black and white? Well, let me explain it this way. I live up in the Hollywood Hills. You come up, sun, you go down Sunset Boulevard and you go up the windy hills to get to my house. If your goal is to get to my house, I can tell you what is right or wrong. Like if you go up Laurel Canyon, you are going, you are not going to get close to my house. Okay? If you are going up Coldwater Canyon in Beverly Hills, you are not going to, so it's a mistake. But it's not a mistake in black and white. It's not evil to go up the wrong road. You'll just end up at a different house. So most of us are in either one of two extremes. We think everything we do is a mistake. We think of everything black and white, everything evil and not evil. Okay, that oftentimes comes from religion. We've, even without knowing, even if you're an atheist, you've been heavily influenced morally and in terms of your deep core values by a set of religious understanding now i'm not saying religion's bad okay in fact many religious people who are christians or muslim they wouldn't even say they're religious they would say they have a spiritual connection to god so i'm not talking about those i'm talking about old-fashioned religion you know where the inquisition used to burn people alive in the Middle Ages, that kind of religion. Even though we think that's all eradicated and gone from society, it's still in you and I, it's in our brains. You got to get rid of it. Now, so there's people like most of us, I find, we think too black and white about things. And there's people on the other side who never will admit that they make a mistake. I have six brothers, one of my brothers never will admit he does anything wrong, ever. No matter what, no matter if he says, hey, Ty, my goal is to get up to your house. Even if he goes up 
Coldwater Canyon, which is ten miles, you know, five miles from my house, and never gets here, he won't say, "Well, he'll be like, well, you know, all lo- all roads eventually lead to your house." No, they don't. No, they don't. He lives in a delusional world. That kind of, and I'm not talking. I love my family and brothers. It's just we all got our flaws. That's his flaw. I have my own, plenty of my own flaws. So I'm not talking down on him. I'm just using it as an illustration. Okay. So for your life, some of you are going to say, hey, Ty, every mistake I've ever made, it's just worked out for the better and all wrote, no, BS. You and I have taken the wrong path to our goal often enough, and you'll never get those years back. Like Stephen Hawking said, time's moving forward, and he, no one's figured out how to reverse it. So, you know, I, I saw that movie Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. It's a pretty good movie. I recommend you see it. Um, and it's cool because every day he wakes up. Uh, and I won't give away the whole story, but this isn't giving it away. He, like, wakes up and he has the chance to undo his mistakes from the from the previous day. It's kind of like Groundhog's Day. And it's pretty cool. It's like our dream. If I could just go back. I mean, I think back in my life. Ooh, if I could not have trusted that person and just met them one time and never talked to them and been like, hey, this was a great first date. I don't think we're meant for each other. Move on. Man, my life would have been better than getting stuck. You know, we've all been stuck in relationships with horrible people. And you're like, in hindsight, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Well, if I could have a time machine, I'd be great to go back on. Right? So time is moving forward. You better not be somebody who denies all your past mistakes. You better have regret. Regret is an adaptive part of your brain that serves the purpose, if you use it right, of not making your mistakes. So having no regret and never being able to say you're wrong is a huge problem. And I think about 20% of people are like that. So you may be in that 20%. The other side sees every little experiment they do that doesn't work out as a failure. You can't be that person either. For example, probably what it seems like in the modern world is if you want to find romance, you're probably going to have to date a handful of people in order to find what you like and what blends with you and what's the best, you know, you got to kind of train your mind. Now, if you do it as a series of experiments, like I'm going to go out with 10 people this month. I'm not going to commit to them. I'm just going to test the waters. Now you become like the wise mad scientist who's doing lots of experiments, but you've got to move on quick. That's the key. We're not built to move on quick from relationships, right? So most of us can't go on 10 dates without getting attached to one person. I'm not saying you got to be ruthless. I'm not saying in the 10 dates, you know, that you can't, uh, that you can't fall for one person. I'm just saying the general trend is see yourself as an experimenter because most people, if they go on 10 dates and don't get a relationship out of it, they see themselves as a failure, that's not my definition for this talk of mistakes. I just said that from the beginning and I want to repeat it. I want you to be an experimenter. I want you to have a ton of quote unquote teeny mistakes that you recover from in one or two days. This builds resilience. resiliency. There's that book by uh, Nassim Taleb uh, called Anti-Fragile and it kind of, he he alludes to what I'm talking about. You don't want these big mistakes that cause fragility in the system that destroy a system, right? But you get stronger with a little bit of adversity, okay? So think about it. A vaccine, polio. When my grandma was young, people were getting polio and dying. And the way they eradicated polio was just injecting a little bit into you, just enough. If it was too much, it would overwhelm your system like a big mistake and you'd never recover from it. You'd literally get polio. But by putting just a teeny bit, like almost an experimental amount, you actually grew stronger and you grew resistant, you see? So in your life, when it comes to health, I want you to experiment for your body with every diet out there. Try the zone diet, try fruititarian, try vegetarian, try vegan, try paleo, Try all 10 before you decide. Now, you can be listening to the voices of wise people. There's some diets you don't need to try. If no wise people have ever said it's a good diet to eat, you know, I don't know, candy every day, you don't need to experiment. That's why I said it's a balance between experimenting and listening to the wise cabinet. There's no wise cabinet ever assembled of smart people around physical health that have said the best diet is eating junk food. So you can cross that off your list and never experiment with it. You don't need to 
try the remember that movie uh supersize me with morgan spurlock great movie if you haven't seen it and he goes out and decides to eat mcdonald's all the time for 30 or 60 days or something i love it he goes to the doctor at one point and he says i'm thinking of doing this diet where i'm gonna eat you know mcdonald's every day what do you think is going to happen the doctor's like well i think your blood pressure is going to go up you're going to be cholesterol is going to go up but after 30 days of him eating supersized meals all day the doctor's like you better stop you're going to die <laughs> right so he proves in this movie what we already know processed food all day every day is pretty much a guaranteed way to die young so you don't need to experiment with everything that's why I said there's a balance. You use the voices of your head. You use the wise mentors, the books that you read, the counselors. Going straight to the top, not your friends, going to the best. And you eliminate all the things you never even detest. But within that, there is, there are differences in constitutions physically. Some people will do better with milk, right? Lactose tolerance versus lactose intolerance. Be an experimenter, all right? So I want you to only fear big mistakes. I don't want you to be afraid of trying one month of veganism. I just want you to not get attached to the results. So at the end of that month-long experiment, you honestly, with no prejudice, say, I feel a hell of a lot better. Or you have the courage to go, I feel a lot worse. I'm going to move on to the next experiment. When it comes to wealth and making money, same thing. If you don't know what your career should be, I think it's easier than most people think, but even if you know the general industry, you may need to experiment. I've got a friend who's going to start, he wants to start uh, a brewery and he loves beer and he was asking me and he's got a really good job and makes a ton of money as like an engineer and he was like, do you think I should quit my job and go and start my own brewery? And I was like, well, and I started asking myself, I did this experiment, think Ty, what would the wise voices of the past say to you you know i caught that i can literally sometimes when i'm making a decision i hear joel salatin i hear alan nation i hear these people whispering into my ear ty make haste slowly that's a voice i've heard john wooden said be quick but not in a hurry so i passed that on to my friend and i said man you know the voices in my head from wise people is be quick but don't be in a hurry make haste slowly why don't you experiment why don't you work once a week at a few different breweries. So you make a mistake on their dime and you learn from them. You see, that's where this can play out. So there's a balance between you can still experiment and try many things, but you can do it within a framework that is wise. I want you to do it in that wise way. Okay? So when it comes to business, there may be a time to experiment. You should constantly be experimenting. Remember, economics, the world is constantly competing you must be testing and pushing the frontier and boundaries. And you got to be okay with losing a couple grand on a, on a marketing experiment here or there. Or you got to, you know, wasting a couple weeks of your life. You will recover, like that book Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. You will recover from small things, small experiments. You will not recover from the big ones. Big enough, it'll kill you. <laughs> so, and when it comes to love, same thing. And friends, experiment with different kinds of friends right? Experiment with different ones. Read some of these books. Learn how to read psychometric, per which is a fancy scientific word for personality types. Begin to find what personality types mess with you. Just move on from the experiment once it's proven to be the inaccurate path that's not getting you to whatever your goal is. The same with happiness. I've tried many things with happiness. You know, I've tried living with the Amish, no electricity for years. And I've tried living in, you know, fancy houses in Beverly Hills. I've tried it all. And that experiment, as long as I'm willing to not get attached to it and move on when new evidence comes in, when wiser people show me new things, it's made my life happier. In fact, I read an interesting article. I can't remember where now. And it basically said, one of the things that makes people happy are people who try more things. So I started out by talking about getting rid of mistakes and not making, but I meant big ones. And now I'm ending by saying something that might seem counterintuitive. You need to make lots of teeny mistakes, read the signs, waste an hour, waste a week, waste one date, and then move on quickly. If you can blend these two approaches, firstly, using wise people from history, in person, through books, through YouTube, to teach you how to avoid the big mistakes, and then, and the other part, on the day-to-day, -day, become a massive experiment or kind of like a mad scientist 
Of course, you're not going to test everything because you've already learned from the wise people your cabinet have shown you the big things to avoid, and then you're left with less options, right? So they're telling you, hey, you don't need to try the processed food diet. That one's already been proven. So you don't try that. Even a, You wouldn't want to waste a day on that. They tell you, don't date insecure people. Like, I've learned that. That's a lesson that I've learned. I don't need to experiment by dating any more insecure people. But I do need to experiment with maybe making a friend who is not a business person, who's completely opposite, who's a humanitarian, right? Or runs a nonprofit. See, those kind of experiments could be healthy for my social life, my business life, my happiness, my physical health. All right? So I want you to leave me uh, a couple things. Make sure you're on my tylopez.com, okay? Uh, for those of you, I mentioned, I've got this uh, inner private inner circle. I've been working with people. I talked about James. Uh, there, I'm going to add a place on my website. I'm only taking a handful of people. But I don't have a, an application you can fill out, okay? Um, it's, it's an 18-month program. In 18 months, I have found, I mean, that's from Peter Drucker, the great business analyst. You're going to see a lot of things online and a lot of educational stuff. Transform your life in 30 days. If you believe that, then you believe in somebody marketing well to you. I, I can show you how to revolutionize your life in 18 months. I'm talking about every area. Financially, if you are in scarcity, I can show you how to get to financial independence in 18 months. If you're already financially independent, I can tell you how to get to prosperity. If you're already in prosperity, I can show you how to get to wealth through the tried and true principles uh, that I've learned from my 12 mentors and business partners and uh, from those people that I've studied and that I'm now lucky enough, the millionaires and billionaires that I'm lucky enough to be friends with today. So if go to my site, tylopez.com. Uh, there, there'll be a link for this inner circle. You can read about it and apply. I'm going to be putting that up basically today or so. Um, I also have my academy, which is for those of you who are not yet able to, to go to something as, as intense as the inner circle. The inner circle is for people ready to go and do it now, and they want to revolutionize their life now. The, the academy is something you can do at your own pace. It's very powerful. Um, and you can see that Academy on my site. Start by joining my book of the day. It's tylopez.com. You can just enter your email address there. It's free. Talk to me about what I've talked about today with you and tell me what's the biggest mistake you wish you could have avoided and who could you have learned from to have avoided that mistake? Leave me a comment on this page. If you're watching this on YouTube or on my website, uh, if you're on the podcast show, leave your a review, please. And instead of a regular review, also leave that comment. I'll try to get back to you. If you're driving and listening, email me at ty at tylopez.com. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can email, I answer my Facebooks. Uh, it's Facebook, and my, my uh, username is Ty Lopez Official. Twitter, at Ty Lopez. I respond, try to respond to almost all. I got a 150, 160,000 Twitter followers, but I can usually get back to everybody within a couple days, okay? And on my site, when you join the book club, you'll get a free access to the inbox. You can write me. I do check my inbox. So write me messages there on tylopez.com. And I'm glad you know to, to answer as much as I can. But leave me a comment here. And if this has been helpful, share this on your Facebook wall uh, if you think some of your friends. I do these all for free. In exchange, I just ask people, hey, if it's helpful, interact with me. Comment with me. You know, Talk to me. It helps build... Uh, helps me learn, helps build the community that I want to build. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to build a business through advertising. I want to build it through word of mouth grassroots. So if you don't mind, share this on your Facebook, retweet this on your Twitter, uh, however it is best for you. Email it to a friend. I hope to meet you in person. Leave me that comment. What's the biggest mistake you made? And how could following what we've talked about for this last hour have changed that? Okay? Because once you get that into your brain... You'll start rewiring the brain. Man, remember that amygdala, that fear center in your brain. That thing, if you're not careful, will dominate your life and strip you from your hopes and your dreams. But there is an answer. That neocortex, that your brain, not just, you know, some people are like, hey, Ty, you need spiritual. And I am spiritual. Those of you who know me, I'm a very spiritual person. If you read Dalai Lama, he's talking about the same thing. All of these wise people are saying the same thing. Some people express it scientifically. Some of you express it more, you know, spiritually. 
we're all talking about the same thing. We're talking about going to bed a little bit better of a person, waking up with less ignorance in your life, waking up closer to the good life, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Like Chief Tecumseh said, you know, seek to make your life long and its purpose of this in the service of your people. Serving others in your hive, like Jonathan Haidt says, that's what brings us happiness. I want to help you find that. I want to find it together. I want you to find true health physically, real wealth financially, love from friends, family, and romance. And finally, you know, like that spiritual saying goes, the peace that passes all understanding, happiness, and fulfillment. You can get it all. You can get it all. But remember, you're going to have to work for it. As Munger says, to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. The world is not yet a crazy enough place to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people. You will get what you want as quickly as you can deserve those things. You will deserve it by cutting down on your mistakes. You will deserve it by filling your mind with a council of wise people so that quotes and sayings and thoughts from the greatest people, you can conjure them up through your imagination. What would Arnold Schwarzenegger say about this diet I'm on? What would Michael Jordan say about the way that I'm you know, doing this cardio? What would Sam Walton say about this business that I'm in? What would Mother Teresa say about this charitable uh, activity I'm about to pursue? What would Lieberman say about my social life? What would Michael Moss say about the amount of salt, sugar, and fat that I'm taking in? What would Ray A. Kroc say about my attempt at making a million dollars? What voice would be speaking to you? My rich friends and my poor friends, there's one basic difference. My poor friends only listen to their own inner voice. My rich friends know how to combine, and not just rich, but successful and happy and all those things. It's not just about money, although money is one way to gauge success and good decisions. Not always, but often. The difference between my rich friends and my poor friends is my poor friends only listen to the inner voice and they trust it when it shouldn't be trusted. But my rich friends know that there's a time to trust the instincts that have been passed down to you from your great-great-great-great-grandparents. And there's a time to listen to new voices in a world that throws things at you that your ancestors could not possibly have foreseen. Be strong and remember, life is short, man. Life is short. All right? Talk to you soon. Thanks so much.